It's Rebecca. Welcome to Rebecca Live, episode 259. Uh, whew, to a lot of people, learn lots of stuff. I hope the Friday's going A-OK. Uh, I'm still in California. We've just gone on to lockdown again. I'm into my hub of a hub. Same copy-paste, month eight. Here we go. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, on the show today, the queen of New Zealand property. She's uh, just come back fresh off the Woman of Influence Awards up in Auckland. And in the mix, ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Connors. Hello, Morning, Nikki. How are you? I'm good down here in Christchurch today. I was saying before um, I went in to, to get myself a cup of coffee and a muffin and then came back. It was all very civilised. You can't do that there, can you? <laughs> uh, nothing indoors. It's all gone to lockdown again. So um, everything basically has been back on shutdown, but it feels there's a tension between um, lockdown fatigue of those who are just sick of copy-paste versus the potential actual risk to what it's doing with the economy and all the rest of it. So it's been a, um, it's been a very interesting year to be in America, that's for sure, with a lot and a lot of stuff. So I get envious seeing back home, and then at the same time I'm like, ah, shit, you know. But end of the day, this is where we're at. Uh, Christchurch, how are you? How are you doing? Well, it's it's lovely down here, of course. It's the start of summer and, um, you know, being around the, uh, the pool, I do feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for my family in, in the UK. I mean, there was, it's it's funny how the, the world is and, and the criticism. I mean, we do everything right and we're back to normal. I went to a concert a couple of weeks ago. I was at the awards with 800 people the other night. And, uh, and yet New Zealanders are called uh, sheep with... Um, uh, uh, with with no saying or individuality because we followed um, and agreed as a country to to go into lockdown. Now, as a small business owner, I've got four businesses and I've got a lot of people that work with me. It was very difficult. But if we hadn't have done that, how much worse could it have been? And it, it just... It just makes me so frustrated, you know, this this conversation, especially in the US, about personal freedom. Well, I totally, New Zealanders are all about personal freedom, but what is the use of that if you're dead? What is, what is the use of that? Um, and how can you enjoy personal freedom if the people you love are dead? And, um, and I just feel so sorry. I love... Um, the, the states, you know, I'm there every year. I was there last year in um, New York. I'm there every year in, in LA, and wonderful. You know, it's, it's just such a wonderful country, and to see it decimated like it is um, is just the saddest thing. It, it really is. So, um, I, mm. you know, my heart is with everyone there. Well, I know in uh, New Zealand the the consequences of this for the I think it was like you know two months lockdown they were saying that it's going to take potentially three years um to sort of build back up financially with the um you know the consequences of uh, such a, a short lockdown in the, the scheme of things and then I think of America and then you think of the fact that it's been eight months now and a bunch of places still in lockdown all around the world and if we're going to have a three-year crawl back after just eight weeks I wonder what it's going to be like for the states with eight eight um eight months you know so that unfortunately the long tail of this is going to be quite substantial, I believe. And I think we're probably just then starting to see the start of it right now with the restructuring and a few other bits and pieces. But, you know, it's clear the government isn't just going to give everyone free money for everyone. And, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, it just, yeah, it is. It is. Um, just going back to that three-year recovery, though, um, in New Zealand, um, I was asked to um, comment all the way through lockdown, um, you know, TV, radio, on press. And I had one interview um, with a business magazine where I totally refuted that this, this uh, long recovery and how uh, it was going to be doom and gloom. And I said that I, I just don't believe that is the case. And oh, I looked, and, and, and in fact, I was called Pollyanna. You know, it was like, oh, this naive woman who's, and it's like, no, well, freak you, because this is what I believe. And this is based on being on the on the ground floor, which was before lockdown, we had such a huge demand for housing in New Zealand, huge demand. Um, the billions that have been spent on temporary housing for New Zealanders. Uh, so 
not only for homes to live in, um, for first home buyers and whatever, but certainly for people that were, were renting. And so we were seeing that, you know, uh, places like um, Hamilton, Auckland, rents going up, Hamilton, uh, rents going up by over 8% um, per annum. And such a shortage of good property. You see, this is not like Australia. This is not like the, uh, the States. We don't have um, huge rafts of land that we can open up and for thousands and thousands more people. It's not like that. And so um, we had a, a shortage of property before lockdown and a shortage of rental property, for instance. And uh, we had the banks that were uh, not lending to developers. There isn't um, a lot of development to the level that we need. We are a very dynamic country. We're a very successful financially um, you know, country uh, in the world. You know, it's a first world country. We are um, on the cutting edge of a lot of um, industry, uh, innovation, and, and it just didn't make sense that on the other hand, we, um, you know, in Auckland alone, um, 20,000 uh, houses or 20,000 dwellings are required to suit, um, to meet the demand today. And now uh, that's today. But we weren't going to see any of that, you know, being taken care of, um, five or six thousand, that's my dog, apologies, over the next, um, Milo, um, over the next five or six years. Now, of course, we've got interest rates now that have gone down and down. That was the other thing. I said interest rates will continue to go down. And I was talking to Tony Alexander, ex-BNZ um, chief economist, Yep. about negative interest rates and you know it was like oh Nikki that's not going to happen and you know there's all I, I just felt that um as a country we would bounce back very very quickly so I'm not going to get on my high horse here but the reality was we have and now what have we got the lowest interest rates 2.5 or 2.34 percent so, um, which is just amazing. I remember the days, and this is this ages me, um, when interest rates in New Zealand were twenty one percent in the in the eighties. Mm. So, it's it's uh, so you've got low interest rates. Um, you've got uh, the uh, the building um, not happening to the to the same degree. So there is like this huge requirement for tradespeople and. Um, and businesses, we bounced back. You know, the government helped us a little bit, not in, not enough, and they directed the banks to help us, which who didn't, by the way. So, you know, I'm, I'm on my high horse about that. The government was offering, um, saying to the banks, we will guarantee 80% of um, anything that you loan to small businesses, uh, 80% guaranteed, and yet... Um, uh, I didn't know one small business that actually got a loan. And, and despite all of that, we've bounced back. You know, um, we are so busy as a company, um, you know, my property investment company, my design um, and furniture pack company, um, and people are, are out and eating and drinking and, and getting on with their lives. And, yes, there's... Um, a little bit with, um, I say a little bit, but uh, in the um, tourism industry, um, service industry. However, New Zealanders are traveling all around New Zealand. I mean, we're huge travelers overseas, billions and billions spent us traveling. Now we're doing it internally. So we're not seeing um, hotels giving um, discounted rates you know, we're back to what it normally is and we are seeing parts of our country. So that is um, that has only happened over the last couple of months. So it hasn't been three years. And I don't believe that the recovery will be three years. I mean, how far away are we from getting um, the uh, vaccinations, for instance? That was supposed to be two to three years away. And now they're talking about in the UK... Um, having something after Christmas um, in the US um, within a short, you know, within the next couple of um, uh, what, uh, what six months. Uh, so uh, at least we're getting on with it. And the thing was that it was three months and we had maybe one and a half lockdowns, if, if you like. So 
Um, and, and now we're, we're moving on. But it's going to take longer for the rest of the world because everyone is worried about their own personal freedom and they're going out and, and they're um, flouting, um, you know, the, the, the social rules. And it's to me, it's you can't scream about how your business is going under and then going outside without wearing a mask. I mean, you know, you can't have it both ways. Well, I think that um, a lot to unpack there, Nikki. I flipping, I, I love, I've loved the ranting. It's flipping great. Um, <laughs> so in the states, it, um, the thing is, health got politicised. If you wore a mask, it was well, you're a Democrat. If you didn't, um, then you're, yes. you're a Republican. You want your freedom. Um, you know, the same way I, I put it down to, you know, when you're in the streets, I grew up in um, Christchurch, but in Aranui, if you were blue, you were crip. If you were red, you were blood. And here it's like, if you wear a bandana, as if, if, how did a, a hat of wearing a red hat become, are you a pro-Trump or a no hat? You know, all these little things. It's kind of weird yeah. how um, for a country that's supposed to be united, it's clear it is, is definitely not. I want to rewind back a little bit. So maybe I'll start with this one. Um, the queen of property. Who, if you're the queen, A, what makes you the queen? But then B, who would the king be? <laughs> um, I was termed the queen of property um, on the cover of a magazine about uh, three and a half, four years ago. And that was because uh, when it came to um, investment property, when it came to um, knowledge about how to strategize that, uh, that's what I was known for. My background was that I was a, um, a creative director in advertising agencies in the 80s and 90s. And um, I always say that property investment's not about real estate, it's, it's um, an, an investment. And so, um, I put together a strategy in which I could help my clients um, understand what they were trying to achieve um, socially and financially, short, medium, long-term goals. In New Zealand, most 50% of New Zealanders will retire with a mortgage. And having lost my home after being very successful um, and taking companies to the secondary market in the, the UK and being worth millions and losing it and starting again. Um, I felt that as it was property that got me back, my passion was then to, to pass that knowledge on. And so I've been very vocal um, on how uh, investment property can work. And because I suppose that being a woman as well and with the book coming out, talking about my struggles both financially and, and socially and, and relationships, um, it, it, it's, it got to the stage where I was being invited to speak at a lot of different um, events, different companies, whether it was about business or as a motivational speaker. And I suppose that's how the Queen of Property came about because um, I am also, I do the due diligence on what my team do on all of the property that we recommend. I am very vocal in my criticism on um, some of the uh, legislation around um, property, around the homeless. And so that's how I suppose that that, that grew. Um, and I'm not, um, you know, it's not too bad a, a title to have. Um, not at all. Say. And and I've and I've and I've also seen that you know it's it's really you know you talk about the reds and the blues. Um, there's been quite a few of my um, competitors, especially the the young guys that are coming up in this, that have taken um, uh, you know great exception to to that and have tried to pull down the queen. But you know, hey, I've lived through um, the GFC. I've lived through two marriages. I've lived through a lot. It's going to take a lot more than. Um, than that to to pull me down now the second thing who is the king yeah <laughs> well i only came on this of course as a um an alternative to a dating site what can what can i say um my my uh my history isn't that great you know i was saying to you uh, before we got started that you can call me whatever um surname you like i mean i've got about three of them so not a marriages but two marriages two divorces so not particularly successful still looking for my king for my lord 
Um, yeah. it, ha it hasn't happened yet. And of course, I can't get out to the States. I can't get to Europe. Um, so I love American men. I love English. I love French. <laughs> and they're all just this far away from me at the moment. You're, you're flipping nuts. I, I love it. It's great. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ask Olivia, you this. Now you know why I haven't got a king. <laughs> no, Thank no, you. That's great. Um, <laughs> No, there's something about when you, you've got an opinion, you flip and say it, and when you've got, like, I'm extremely the same. If I feel a, a certain way, I just say it regardless what, you know, sometimes to my, most times to my detriment, but it feels I'm slowly getting smarter as I get older, but you can't um, you can't help when you feel about something you do a certain way. So maybe I'll, I'll ask this. Um, when you transition from creative director and i think it was sachi's right was it sachi's that you're at so it's yep. kevin robert dade's derek lockwood's world yep oh derek lockwood yes i know derek yep. yeah yeah so my uh, uh previous media company um was acquired by uh sachi and sachi and publicist group a couple of years ago so i know those guys pretty good they're crazy but it definitely sounds like the 80s was a different sort of time uh with with the long lunches and the other festivities i've heard many a story i've been in i've 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 heard um what is the biggest difference between you feel marketing in the eighties and marketing in 2020 from what you've seen as from the outside or inside then, and then obviously outside now? Well, um, of course, uh, branding brands, you know, I, I worked on, um, and won the Air New Zealand account when I was, um, well, along with the team, obviously, at Mattingly and um, partners here in, um, in New Zealand. And um, it was all about uh, branding, which is something that I believe completely in and is what has seen my businesses. And, you know, you talk about the Queen of Property. When I got that title, that became part of my brand. And what happens when you build up um, brand values which is whatever they may be, whether it's for creativity, whether it's for integrity, whether it's for knowledge or um, what, whatever it is. If you, um, if you continue to build on that, then when times get tough, you know, when we, if, if we go through something, God forbid, like this again, but, you know, we did go through the, the GFC and I started Propeller Property Investments in the GFC. And, of course, the GFC was all about, property you know what why did the whole world sort of go under but what saw me through all of that was the brand and the brand values that i had built up and continue to to maintain now you come into the the into these days um and even in the late 90s as well it's about um the deal it's about uh, you know 20% saving. So when you look at advertising um, above the line, if if you like, so that TV, uh, radio, magazine, um, it is all about the money that you can save. Now that's fine, but what that does is put you in the spiral where you will always be in competition with someone who's going to come in at, a, at two cents less. Um, that it's not about quality. So you're always fighting to be the, um, to, to give the lowest price. And that does not, um, that does not evoke loyalty. So, because mm. you're in a, you know, you're in a constant price war. Now, the other thing with the 80s was, of course, it was all about above the line. It, there was no such thing as social media. There was, I mean, it's crazy to think about it because it's almost like I can't believe I lived in what is, you know, really the dark ages in that um, I only got computers, you know, at a certain time in my, my career. So there was nothing like that. The only media that you had was TV, radio, um, print. Now, of course, it is just completely, um, it's, it's fractured. And to succeed, uh, and you'll know yourself when you when you look at some of the the major media companies, like here in New Zealand. You know, we we had um, a major media company that got sold for a dollar because of you know the debt was so high. Um, I wouldn't have a magazine, um, and I used to to be a publisher of a magazine. I wouldn't have a magazine. I wouldn't have 
Um, and I don't do any advertising anymore on above the line media. It's all PR and it's all on online. Um, and for us, that's where we get our leads. But our message is only accepted in a positive way because of the above branding, you mm. know, and continue with that branding. So I could come out as a completely um, random um, unknown person and say, come and talk to me about property investment. And I'll be saying that, and, and it doesn't matter how that is packaged creatively, I'll be one of a dozen in this country that's saying, come and talk to me about property investment. I'm the expert. Well, you know, um, how can you be an expert if you're a young guy in your, your early 30s, you've only been doing this for a couple of years? I mean, I'm not saying that's the age thing, but it's it's certainly the experience. So why my company gets the, the sort of responses that it does to the level it does um, is because of all of the, the, the branding behind it. So my my story is known, my book is known. I'm, um, I get asked my opinion on certain things and that comes from building up that credibility um, not only in the, the market but also with the media as, as well so that they come back to you. So your opinion has some value. So therefore, um, you and what you have to say and therefore your business has some value as well. So it is great to have all of these different options that are now available that we didn't have in the 80s. And plus, you know, I was drunk in the 80s. I don't even know what options we had then. You know, I was being dragged back at three in the afternoon for a presentation. My ex-husband used to have to pick me up off the couch at 5.30 and take me home because I was off my face. But um, so those were those were the good old bad old days. Um, but uh, it comes down to the fact that... Uh, values, it doesn't matter how sophisticated or how far media moves on or the choices that you have, it comes down to the values that you represent and that you prove every day. Hmm. So if if you were to take your skill set in 2020 back to 1980, back into the world of um, old school, how, how would you try, what would you have done differently? If all the skill set, everything else that you knew right now around everything and you went back, what would you do? Um, I suppose two things. It was very difficult and, and I don't want to sort of like harp on this either, you know, women and media, you know, poor us and all of that sort of shit. But um, I, I, I did not trust um how good I was, uh, first of mm. all. And as a creative, I could not talk about money. I left it to the, the the suits in advertising to talk about money. And yet I would be standing and um, up in front of a group of people and, and selling something that was, you know, a, a million dollar campaign, which was not insignificant in, in those days. Um, we threw money, we threw money at the at the problem. Um, in, uh, in advertising in the 80s and, and uh, early 90s. We certainly uh, threw our clients' money at um, the, the, the issue. I think if I went back, I would be, uh, I would be a lot smarter in how that money was uh, spent and how targeted I would be in um, reaching uh, certain uh, certain people, but you know, we, we don't, we didn't have, um, we didn't have the outlets that we have. So you know, we only had what we got, we had to work with, which was right and radio, incredibly powerful. I started at Radio Haraki in in Auckland, and um, writing uh, copy, and I still love radio. I absolutely love it because um, it's like it's like. Zoom without the without the pictures, mm. except everyone's got pictures now. You know, you can see someone in the studio, and it painted it painted very strong pictures with words that didn't actually um, cost a lot uh, either. So, the other thing is that what we've seen today is the celebrity endorsement. Now, we had that 
of course, we've had that all the way through as advertising has, um, you know, when it first started. But uh, it's a lot more sophisticated now, that endorsement. You know, it mm. is, um, it's taken it to a different level. And I think that would have made a huge difference if we had understood just the dimension of um, the opportunity there. But of course, uh, in the 80s, it was someone standing as it was in the 50s and 60s and 70s, standing and holding something and saying, buy this. Um, mm. it, today, you don't even know whether uh, they've been, it's, it's advertising or it's a personal opinion. And, and in a way, it doesn't even matter, does it? Um, if someone is someone that you admire that's got, a hundred million followers is holding something. It, it doesn't matter whether she likes it or uses it. It's it's out there. So on that, if you were a brand, then so that's if you're taking your skill set back to 1980, what you do differently. If you were a, a big brand in New Zealand or the world right now, and you had ten million dollars to spend to market your product, your service, whatever, how would you allocate that capital in 2020 differently? Where would you spend $10 million right now for marketing on a business? What would you do? <laughs> well, of course, oh, this is terrible, isn't it? $10 million. I mean, one endorsement from a Kardashian is in, in the millions, and that's that's less than 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> I would put it, I would, you know, it, it's not a lot. It is certainly not a lot, and it's not a, it's not a lot even in, in New Zealand really anymore, but um, yeah, I would give it, um, dare I say it, I'd give it to one Kardashian for um, two tweets. And uh, really? that, would probably, that would give me that would give me sales. Look, you look at um, I, I, there's a product at the moment, which I love, by the way. Oh, I love. Um, no one's paying me, by the way, to say this. It's called um, it's called Dose. And it's it's fantastic. It's a it's a health supplement. And my hairdresser told me about it. And I went and I ordered it online. And it was, you know, um, coconut flavored. And you add it to stuff. And it's it was great. Next thing you know, and it's a New Zealand company, next thing you know, it's been endorsed by a Kardashian and it's billions, billions. Now, that's a small New Zealand um, company for a, a supplement. So we have to be realistic whether you believe in that or not, whether you believe in... Um, Influence uh, the culture. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, you know, you, you can't fight it. This is this is what we live in. And I'm not saying that's not an excuse to um, think a certain way and do certain things because that's what the populace is into. But, um, hey, if you've got a brand and you really quickly want to get that onto um, a, a certain stage, I would, if I had 10 million and I had... Um, if I had one of the Kardashian girls saying, um, if I was going to invest in, in, in property, I'd do it in New Zealand because it's, it, it is going to give you the best returns and I'd do it with Nikki because Nikki is um, the most honorable person I know. She's so smart and I love her. I'll give it to, I'll give her 10 million and I tell you what, my, my, I wouldn't have, there wouldn't be enough property in New Zealand to, um, to, to uh, to take care of of, uh, of that demand, satisfy the demand. It's very interesting conversation on the influencer side. I, I've been wondering around if if it's you get moments of campaign pop or you actually get substantial depth within it because if it's a transaction for an individual without them having equity in it for that ongoing piece. I wonder how that plays out over the one, three, five-year thing. Um, I want to jump back to something you said before with the 80s around, you know, being a, a female, maybe not enough confidence in yourself, blah, 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 blah. You know, now queen of New Zealand property. How has... How tougher has it has it been tougher been, that you felt being a female in the lane that you're in? Not to get down some soppy sap shit, but in a in a market product, I know a female in the uh, the construction business who has told me that it is extremely. Um, she was extremely kind of outcast, not one of the boys' club at the table. Blah blah. blah that whole like I've I've heard all that. Have you had a similar experience, or what's your experience being a female within the, the property game, especially when you? trying to be loud and I'm sure there's a bunch of young rah-rah dudes telling you to shut your face. How's that gone? 
Uh, well, gosh, you've opened that door. You've opened that door. I blame oh, you. You go for it. I don't, no, go for it. I don't, I don't know. Okay, so let me tell you about the 80s. My name in the 80s, um, well, in my with my first marriage, my um, maiden name is Farrell and um, I married uh, a, a Graham. So I was Farrell Graham. And so it was Nikki Farrell Graham. So um, my nickname was No Fucking Good, NFG. And yet I'd won all sorts of awards, but I, I'm, you know, I'm no fucking good. Um, and when I uh, got, was earning what I was earning and I was offered the roles that I was offered and even one, you know, being part of winning the New Zealand campaign, I was still no fucking good. And I slept my way to it, you know. Um, I probably would have if there'd been anyone cute, but there, there wasn't. And, um, uh, and so it was, um, it was a very difficult time because, you know, we, we're talking the white shoe brigade. The, the, a lot of these guys had come in the sixties and seventies from selling cars. You know, so, um, I remember as a, as a young copywriter sitting there and there's someone coming, you know, my boss coming and, and standing there with his crutch in my face and, and having a conversation. There I am having a conversation. And, you know, the things that went on, you just had to, you just had to deal with because you're not going to be seen as difficult. You know, you want to be out drinking. You know, I had a young um, child towards the end of my time there. And if I wasn't out drinking till three in the morning, I was missing out on what was going on. And I was out of the friggin' loop, you know, and you, and you couldn't be that because advertising was, is, and probably still is very, very political, you know, and to get a knife in your back. And I was on the board of an agency and I'm still, still getting a, um, a, you know, a knife in my back. So, um, and then, okay. So, so let's go to the 2000s. Now I, I, you know, I, I'm used to that. It, it, to me, it is like, all right, that's just the the day-to-day, the -day, how it is. But you're absolutely right. You know, you come into um, uh, property and, and, and developers and um, the attitude is because I have failed, because I now can talk about money, because I've got 14 people that rely on me to pay their bills, to pay their mortgages to, for their children's schools, I've got a responsibility to make sure that they all get paid, right? And I'm dealing with developers. Now, most of them are great, but developers have a reputation for a particular reason. And, and one of the things that they, that some of them do, just some of them, is that believe that they will, um, that anything that you do as, you know, if you're selling, um, their properties or marketing their properties or you're building their properties, they do not need to pay you. Um, because they don't, you know, that you, that they're doing you a favor. And so, um, a lot of the, how it's set up is that, uh, a developer will uh, start a business, a company to build a particular development. And then when the development's built, they'll put down the company. And if you, uh, if you're owed money, well, that's, that's a shame, isn't it? Because um, the company's uh, has been put into liquidation or it's it's gone under. Now I've had that a couple of times, and you see, I fight. I wouldn't have been able to in the past, but I now fight. And we had a, um, a, a something here a few years ago where a group of um, men who thought that they were very very important in New Zealand and you know had a lot of money, and I sold a great deal of property um, for their development that uh, they weren't paying us and it was before Christmas and I had all my team, all my team um, needing to have their money for Christmas and, uh, you know, the lies that I got, like um, I'm in the bank now about to pay your, you know, half a million dollars and, and, and whatever, complete lies. Um, and so I now, I now fight. And in one instance, and, and the, the two guys that uh, are, are, that I was talking about um, originally, they, um, they're in prison. But uh, this was four or five years ago. And I sat there and I would not leave. And I even said, right, um, you know, I, I want to be paid. And I wasn't the only one, but I wasn't going to let this go. And I did, you know, my team and um, we did get paid, but I was very nice about it because I said, you know, 
your families all live in Remuera and, you know, your children go to nice schools. And Remuera, for those who don't know, is like a, the, the big upmarket suburb in, in, um, in Auckland. And they would be very horrified if, if we called them and, and just let them know that our children um, are not going to be able to go back to school or our children aren't going to be able to go to the dentist because your husband's been doing this. Now, I mean, this is a terrible thing. It wasn't nice, but but I got to this, I had to get to the stage where I've got to protect my own. I've got to protect my people and um, and to do it in a particular, you know, and, and to make sure that there is a, a, a result that is going to be, and not in a way that is um, abrasive or abusive, but in a way that is tenacious. And so I've got a bit of a reputation now, which is so funny because I couldn't talk about finances in the 80s in creative but now I do and you know through lockdown I had a developer who owed um, the company money and you know everyone everyone that's got a small business is really um, you know it was a tough time even though I was going out and I was saying yes it's great I I inside was, was panicking I, I we had no business whatsoever and I wanted to be paid and, you know, you say to a developer, you know, you are, you've owed me this for a long time and still been really nice about it. And I think that it's about time, you know, you need to pay us. And I got screamed at. I got called all of these names and threatened to go to the press um, about the fact that I was trying to get money through lockdown. And I said, yes, I am. The prime minister has said people still need to pay their bills. And mm. um, and so if I had been a man, I suppose, of or... Um, that conversation where I had been screamed at and, and threatened probably wouldn't have happened um, because it's about this is what I want, this is what I expect, we have done and achieved this, I have people that I look after and I take that role very seriously. So, um, yes, uh, your friend that's in that construction, it is uh, it. it it is a fight and um, it's personalities as well. There are certain personalities that go into my industry as um, property investment and that haven't been doing it for a, a long time and are very uh, are brash about their skills and their ability. And, um, and there's also developers as well that are also very brash about their skills and their ability and showing their wealth and, and um, that's not something that um, I feel particularly comfortable um, about. So, mm. <laughs> so what was the, you, you know, you didn't have enough confidence in the eighties. Now you're, you know, tenacious and, um, you know, going after it. What was, was there a tipping point where your confidence shifted or you actually found that had it been there the whole time and you held it away, you didn't have it and it grew. What, what was, was there a moment where then you felt you could go on offense for what you represented, what you're about? Well, it, it came down to a personal thing, actually. Um, when I was in the UK, uh, my second husband and I, we came up with an idea in which to market uh, uh, books. Now, it, it sounds crazy now because everyone's got Kindles and everyone goes online to Amazon, but that wasn't around. And um, we came up with a, a way in which to supply content as, as well. And it won an award for one of the best ideas in the world. And we took it to the secondary secondary market and we raised all of this money. And then, um, uh, and I used um, equity in, in my investment properties in, in the UK and didn't pay mortgages and whatever to get us to that stage. And when we were about uh, to, for the company to go ahead, I found out that I found that I was no longer part of this, um, that the advisors to us that had helped us get this far. Um, they had two young guys that were going to come in with my husband and, and take over. So, um, and at that time, you know, my husband said, you know, you're out. It was a very, very difficult time. And, you know, you're, you're stupid, you're old, you're, you know, all of these things that you actually think in yourself that probably is the case. And, and then it's verbalized. So, um, I I cracked up um, completely, and um, my son at the time was about twelve, thirteen, 
And so I was down to absolutely nothing. And so to come back, you know, I, I had to start from, I had to start again from less than zero. And I think the tipping point for me, not only have my my family having faith and saying, you're not, you're, you are smart, um, and seeing that these young guys failed as well um, because they weren't as smart as they, they, they thought they were. It, it didn't go ahead um, without me. Um, I, I got to the stage where uh, I'd known what it's like to fail. You see, this is the trouble. People pull back on making decisions because they're scared of failure. And it's like, it's this terrible, terrible thing. And so you're going to take the safe, safe path. Now, I had failure. I lost everything. And it wasn't so bad. I mean, it was pretty terrible, but I came out of it. So therefore, that took the fear away. But also, you know, having been bullied and um, and made to feel that there were other people with better ideas than me that actually didn't achieve a lot more than me, um, I started to think, and especially when I started Propeller and I had um, a couple of um, uh, uh, partners at that time who started to say the same thing, especially through the GFC when I was no, it wasn't the GFC. It was um, the earthquakes down in Christchurch. I started at the propeller down in Christchurch, and we had the two decimating um, earthquakes. And propeller was Christchurch based, and so it could have just disappeared, and there was no money. And my partners are going, you know, this this is it, blah blah blah. And I and I said, well, we, we're going to go into another market. We're going to go into um, the Auckland market, but we had no money. So I went in and negotiated three months free um, in uh, in offices. I went to the media and I negotiated 90 days. And um, I, with my, um, with a consultant that worked with me, he would go up and we'd pay his expenses. So he paid for himself to go up to do the first appointments. Then I would go up and do the strategizing with um, with clients. And throughout all of that, I I had um, these these two partners, two guys screaming at me about what I was doing and how irresponsible and I was spending money that we didn't have. And, you know, it was just terrible. I, I, I mean, I was like this. They left and it was the best thing. And I think because Propeller is now a multi-million dollar company, as you know, that's 11 years on, highly, highly successful. So it, you know, it came to a stage where I had to say, say, no, I've been through failure. I understand now some of the things that has to be done to make this work. And that's what failure does, you know, that, um, you you get those lessons, and and I defy anyone to name a, a successful person that has not failed at, at some stage. And so failure doesn't define you as a failure. It's just something that is, um, you know, that's just a, a, a learning lesson, if you like. So, um, yeah, I I now have faith in myself, and even when I bring people into my business to um, to help me manage it, and they have all ideas, and you know, it's all sort of you've got to you've got to feel confident and trust in yourself, and it is it's trust in yourself, what whatever way, and to be able to make a decision whether in the end it could be wrong or right. It doesn't matter. Always make decisions because the decision will take you in different paths and different mm -hmm. opportunities. Great segue into a rap artist that I'm a fan of, Jay-Z. Uh, he said in an interview once, he was, a, you know, one of the key parts to his success was you need to genuinely believe in yourself when no one else does, even those closest to you. And it's something interesting, like uh, Big Sean, another Rapper, probably don't know him, but he's pretty good. He no, starts with a rapper. Oh, yeah, Beach, there you go. I don't know if you know down with Big Sean. I'm not sure if you, I don't know. Um, but he <laughs> says, I've got friends that are um, in my circle, but not in my corner. And it was interesting of just, you wonder when you get to a to spot where those that are around you, who you think would have your back in the 
in the corner actually potentially don't or those potentially are the, uh, your husband or your partner or whatever in certain things if you know if, if you listened to them and didn't believe in yourself you would have been like stuff it now they're probably right maybe I'm done maybe I can't do it whatever else as well so that kind of that internal resistance to um and persistence to, to keep going when many said um, I, I remember my my first business uh, one of my first ones I said to my two closest buddies like hey this I'm going to do and they're like you're crazy stuff that's they you know put water on the fire yeah. um so I was going to come back to the thing. So you've mentioned a couple of times, you've been married a couple of times in the States. There's this thing called the, is it the 12.5? Is it the GST? It was, I think it was called the GST club. Is that the right word? And it was. Oh, the GST, when, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's GST in New Zealand, which is yeah. Yeah, tax. It's the tax. Yeah. But, but it was, they'd been married. I think the third time, so they took half and then the 25 and then they'd finally got to the 12.5% of, of all the cash going out. What have you learned the most about relationships in, for having a couple of marriages? Generally interested. And, uh, well, don't forget, you know, I, even though I've been married a couple of times, I've also lived with, um, <laughs> so there's been more than, than, yeah, I know I'm a glutton. What have I learned? Friggle, nothing. I've learned nothing. Um, but I am a, uh, a big romantic. I do believe wholeheartedly in love. I mean, for goodness sake, if you don't have all of this gorgeousness in your life, what is the point of, of anything? But I see a lot of people that, um, and especially women, funny enough, that come out of relationships with um, nothing. And I believe that, you know, love is, it comes with generosity of heart and of spirit. Mm. And, and so I'm not ever saying don't, um, don't do wonderful things for your partner. But what I am saying is that uh, what you have built up uh, to date before you go into a relationship, you've got to make sure that that's protected. Um, and, that's as I said. That's not about being mean, and I'll give you a, an example why. Because let's just say, um, I, okay, so I, I meet something. Everything I've got is is in a trust uh, because I don't trust myself. <laughs> Here's a guy. Yes, it's all yours. I love you. Yes, it's all yours. Um, now, if we were going to start something together, that's absolutely fine. You know, we, we both. Um, uh, if we're going to buy a, a, a property, maybe my trust can can loan um, the, the two of us half of the deposit for uh, a house. Um, or if my partner has no money, because to me, you know, I don't care what my partner earns as long as they're honourable and kind. And um, if they don't have any money, then my trust can loan some money to the 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 two of us to get a property understanding so it's a loan so that if in the future uh we split up um and you know dare i say it even though i am a romantic the the odds that people aren't like our parents and and stay together for forever it just means that you can both take out what what has been built up since the two of you have been together and um, so, you know, I, I will do that every day of the week and, and I do it. And, you know, I help, I help my friends get started um, on the property uh, ladder. And for a lot of people who don't have cash but have um, equity in a home, that is the only way that they can get to the next stage of their life as, as well, you know, um, by using some of that equity to guarantee the deposit on a property, uh, an, an investment property. In New Zealand, property doubles every 10 years. So you buy a $500,000 property today for, say, um, yeah, 500000 and you guarantee the deposit against equity in your home. So it's 100% borrowing. In 10 years, potentially that $500,000 property is worth a million dollars. You sell the property, pay back the bank, and you've got five hundred thousand in um, uh, in profit. And in New Zealand at the moment, of course, um, if you hold a property for five years and then sell it, there's no tax on the on the gains. There's no you know capital gain tax. So um, yes, 
going back to what you're saying, um, that's how I protect myself now. But I lost a lot. You know, I, I didn't just start uh, over once. I had to start over a, um, a couple of times and lost homes. Now, um, that that will never happen again. Um, but it doesn't mean to say that if I'm in a, another relationship or a partnership with someone that I'm not going to use some of that for the good of us, you know, for the for the two of us. It just means that um, if that if it came to an end, that I would not be left high and dry as I have done in in the past. So, you know, I do talk to people about that as well, and it's it's in a positive way because I'm not saying don't don't do anything, keep everything apart. It's just, there's just a smart way in which you can achieve the things together that you want to achieve. Uh, Bruce Pilbara, a good buddy of mine, he's been married for 30 years now. He's um, in his ah. early 50s, he's been married for a while. But I asked him about that, of how he's changed as a person for the last while. And he said, um, his wife is, his wife says that she's now onto the guy number four. So he's had four different people through that 30 years of growing, um, which is pretty interesting. Have you, do you think in your relationships you're the same person that's been consistent or do you think you've evolved as well? I do apologize for Milo. Stop it. You're right. Um, uh, oh no, I've, I, I, I've evolved. I, I certainly have, you know, I, I used to be, I used to love the drama and, um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to own the world like everyone in advertising. You know, we were the kings of the universe, uh, bonfire of the, of the vanities. Uh, I, I no longer, I, I don't want um, that sort of drama. Family is incredibly important to me. Um, to my shame, I always remember because, you know, I, I've suffered from depression throughout my life as well. And someone was, uh, you know, when I was talking to someone and they said to me, you know, look at your achievements. And I said, what achievements? you know, I've, I've had these failures. And they said, you know, you've got a child. And I said, but anyone can have a child. You know, people in the rice paddies can have a child. And I didn't mean it like that. You know, it, to me, it was just a trite thing to say. So here we are on my fourth person, I suppose, um, in that family, my son um, is just, you know, he's, um, he's, my, everything to me, my, my brother, my sister, absolutely, family is absolutely everything. I now, I do everything for what I can give them or how I can help them. And um, I also, it's not just about internalizing what I want. I don't want to be a king of the, the, the universe. I now want to have a footprint that is still there when I go. And, and um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, with Habitat for Humanity, um, some of the happiest times and, and the proudest times was going away and um, laying bricks in um, Vietnam and uh, Nepal and taking my son and taking um, clients and people that work with me, my colleagues away with us for that experience. And, and in every case, they said it, you know, it changed their lives. And so I'm at a stage in my life where um, I'm, I, I'm wanting to have experiences and to give my family experiences because I can afford to. Um, to do that, and friends, I take friends as well uh, to have those experiences. But it's also now about using some of those um, resources to make some sort of difference. I have to look at myself in the mirror every day and say, I like what I see. And I also feel that I've got a responsibility to have a legacy, to, to leave. And even if one person has um, benefited, then that's something. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and there was nothing wrong with who I was before. I wasn't a, you know, a murderer. I, I mean, I, I wasn't a bad person. But with youth and, um, and in that profession comes self-absorption. And mm. I think, um, and self-gratification. And, you know, saying all this doesn't mean to say I don't like driving the nice car and having the nice, you know, the, the clothes because I'm not a saint. Um, but 
I I also like to have some sort of balance with that to um mm. so yeah I I completely understand but it is an evolution and it comes with experience it comes with being humbled you know I I never thought that I would um I was going to be retired at 40 you know um and living this life in, um in the south of France and I'll, I'll probably still live there but you know life is not just an up escalator that's one of my old you know my ongoing sayings it's not just an up escalator um there are going to be times when you're going to come down and 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 you know going back to what you were saying as well about some people um when I had my failures uh disappeared and that's fine too um that's just how life works i don't hold any grudges or, or bitterness but i certainly have um around me um uh, you know family and friends that have been um through all of that and so you become a lot more relaxed with um who you are your faults and and also what you've got to achieve but you know and and if I failed in some things, I've failed in some things. You can't be as hard on yourself either. So I'm not mm. going to be the king of the universe. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be thought of as uh, someone that, that doesn't care. Mm. Yeah, I, I get interested with you know I'm th 35 now. I've done a bunch of you know ego rah rah shit early 20s try to build learn you know you're just on the, on the hustle and i think you, you're right you're, you're potentially self-absorbed with what you want um big one for me is you know you have two daughters under three perspective changes quick fast you know and now it, it shifts so i still feel the same but then you know i've taken a breath of just same so i think i'm smarter i know i'm smarter but maybe i'm, I'm more uh you know calculated a bit more particular instead of just you know run gun shoot everything which is interesting but it's it's i was just genuinely interested you know i've got um uh, a bunch of friends that have been married for a long time bunch of friends have had multiple divorces bunch of friends you know you, you see the whole gamut and you sort of look out into the future and you start seeing you know what can what can you learn what are some some key things but the one from bruce was really insightful last week because he i understood what he meant because over 30 years he's been four different types of people the still same person deep 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 down but then i yeah. guess there's a shell that you sort of layer off another shell and, you know you talk about a an always up escalator I'm, I'm wondering is is life more like a a malfunctioning elevator you're not sure if it's going up or down but it's going and you're still in it and you can't do shit about it <laughs> and you've got to you've got to cling on somewhere but you know in your case too having young children that changes your perspective because it's not just about you anymore. And then you do start to worry about the future, don't you? Because you want, I, I mean, it's a cliche, but its you are thinking 20 years ahead. And you, it's its like, will my children get to see a giraffe? I mean, I took my son you know, on safari and I wanted him to, who, who knows? Who knows when we, so yeah, having children does, start to change your perspective and and that maybe is incarnation number two from being a, mm. a a young adult into a parent i get it um nikki connors this has been a great chat lots of key learnings it's good to validate that the carnage of uh the advertising world was as ruckus and debaucherous as i've been told by many people i feel like i've missed out on a few good times but hey you know, 2020, maybe, um, maybe in, in another life and check some of that out. Uh, really appreciate your time. You've obviously got a book, which I see behind you. If people would like to potentially buy, where can they buy this, this fancy top five book, which I see on my top, right? <laughs> Fabulous failure. Um, go to, um, I would go to the, the, the website of propellerproperties.co.nz and, um, order it there. It's, it's sold out, which was, um, which was fantastic. So, um, I now, uh, we now have this through um, the, the company, but don't worry about worrying about the 80s and what you missed out on because, you know, for the rest of us, we don't even remember it anymore. So it makes <laughs> no difference anyway. Well, well said. Hey, I really appreciate your time, Nikki. Best of luck for everything with Propeller and um, thanks for your time. I know you're a very busy lady. So um, thanks for spending the morning having some good yarns on 
real estate and advertising and marriages and Milo the dog who who he's got is he a little chihuahua? What is he? Is he a little, little No, he's he? a cross between a Bichon and a Shih Tzu. He's the cutest little a white fluffy thing you've ever seen. So well, it didn't, um, didn't so sound like I a Labrador, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Nikki Connors, the queen of property in New Zealand. Interesting story. Classic uh, pivot from advertising into the real estate world and now charging away. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, team. Be good. Be great. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can check out this podcast everywhere. Uh, it is streaming on the old YouTubes, on the LinkedIn, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. The joy of being omnipresent through technology. And I'll see you guys soon. Adios, team. Have a good day. Peace.